here for the the great funeral night. I was here for part of it, I think. Cool. Remember there was a giant traffic jam and people were just honking the horn all night long? Mm. No, I had to drive through like double parked on both sides. Oh. It was it was not fun. It was very bad in fact. It was well, on Friday night for day night. Yeah, I was here for that, for the tail end of it. Oh. You weren't oh yeah. What, why does it matter that you had to drive down the street? You only have to I do that once. Groceries. So, so I was like, excuse me. I did have, I did, there were two, du- you know, double parked, but there was a spot in between the double parked. Uh-huh. I did a good old fashioned snake in after I dropped off all my shit. Well, good for you. Ugh, skills. My parking, my parking game. You really are like a Larry David or George Costanza type figure. Yeah, like bitch. the things that stick in your mind oh, as yeah. like serious problems in your life yeah. are these like really minor things, all things considered. And then the major events and like information of significance, <laughs> I can never count on you to <laughs> I mean, this it, it's been almost, you know, it's been days. Yeah. And you're still thinking about the double parked oh, funeral. It was so good. <laughs> I was so proud of myself. I snaked into that bitch. Oof. And I just got in between a teeny, you know, a Saturn and a fully like blacked out Miata behind me. And I was like, that is pretty impressive. To make it clear to the listener, I'm assuming I'm understanding what you're saying. There was two rows of cars. We yes. managed to go backwards between mm-hmm. the first row and into the second yes, row. Yes, in, wow. in the little like... Yeah, that's nice. In the pocket, that's as good. they say. Mm-hmm. That's the advantage of driving a teeny tiny little shipmobile. You can put it wherever <sighs> you need to. She's not looking great. Um, I did you know, leave her near LaGuardia Airport. Yeah. And I think she got a few new dents, but I'm like, you know what? It's fine. Not that anyone would notice. Who would know? She's oh. really beat up at this. She's point. looking fucked. Yeah. Um. I'm. I'm getting a little worried. There's a rust spot that's bubbling. That I'm like. Ooh. Oh boy. Yeah. I noticed a bunch of new rust spots on my car too. Yeah. Doesn't it help cars to be outside. No. Constantly all the time. Mine is under. You know, in a garage most of the time. But I was like, oh bitch, she looked bad. Um. You know. So anyway. You know, continuing my. Um, Costanzification. Sure. What's the deal with carry-on luggage? Let's talk about how JetBlue can suck every dick, by the way. You already talked about this on the last episode, and you hadn't even taken the flight yet. Yeah, Do you no, remember I, that? No. <laughs> Goldfish brain. Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you about JetBlue, which I don't read. And I, granted, I booked these on New Year's Day, and I was deeply hungover. Okay. So I should have been paying attention, but apparently there's no carry-ons on JetBlue if you book Blue Basic. Right, right. Didn't know this. I take it back. I don't want to defame you. We did not discuss this yes, on the podcast. This is, this I'm mixing up my own life with the podcast now. Okay. So well, we talked about this off mic, but maybe continue. perhaps. Yeah. So yeah, you don't get a carry on anymore. No. You get a personal item, and that's it. Didn't know. Yeah. Didn't know. I read when I was choosing my seat. I was like, oops. Um, and I was, you know, I did that thing where I was like, I'm going to pretend I didn't read, and then go to the gate agent and be like. So I th- do I have to check this then? And she was like, "Oh, baby, yeah. Oh shit." Uh, and they were like trying to get you know everybody on and get them out, you know. Sure. And then she started doing clicky clacks, and she's like, after everybody had like, the you know the pe- the peasants in group E, had already kind of like walked away. She's like, "It's your lucky day, bitch. I'm not doing all this paperwork, so we're just gonna put a tag on it, and you're gonna pick it up at LaGuardia." I was like, "Oh, thank you, thank you so much." Thank oh, so f- they did check it, but they just gate-checked it for free. Yes, site. they did. Okay. Instead of $65? And you were on an undersold flight anyway. Yes. At that point, why wouldn't they just let you carry it on? I do not know. It's so weird. I mean, I kind of get this. If you're like a low-level employee and you're just stuck in a position of enforcement and you don't want to be, uh-huh. you got to kind of like cover your own ass, I suppose. So yeah. they must kind of have to check it. They probably it. have enough leeway to give one nice person a flight like a freebie. Sure, but at that point, it's like, just let just let the person carry it on. You know there's overhead space, like 100% for sure. There, there was is. not, because there were dumb people. There was a lady who truly put tried to put like what we took to Europe in an overhead bin, and I was like, she's like, I think I have to gate check it. I'm like, yes, you dumb bitch. What the fuck's wrong with you? As much as I resent the inconvenience of all of these new like levels to your service that you must purchase when it comes right. to airlines, I do kind of understand it because, it, you know, the decline in quality of like Everything. public behavior has coincided with the decline in quality of service correct so yeah people really push the boundaries now i've seen some really extreme i'm thinking of yeah. a particular hasid oh, one boy. time okay. that i was like 
my friend, that is a chest. You brought a chest on a plane. Yeah. You're not escaping Germany in 38 here. You know I mean, what I'm saying? How many Torahs are in there? Who is bringing a wooden box? He's got, it's got all the hats. It was massive. Hats. And it had like a padlock. I couldn't believe it. Listen. Yeah. This lady clearly was like, I'm leaving Ohio for four days. I must pack everything that I have. Yeah. Which lives in me. I pack, man, again, lady I've, and gay brain. I've said it before. I pack like I'm going to shit my pants every single day. Mm-hmm. I took six pairs of underwear for a four-day trip, plus two straps for gym time. Wow. Unnecessary? Absolutely. Enough socks to be worn three times over. I was also packing drunk, so like I was just throwing shit in. I was like, I don't know, that'll work. Mm, yeah. You know you know how men have the XY chromosome and women have the XX chromosome? Mm-hmm. I think it would be funny if they discovered that gay people just had like the Prince symbol. We have the X, <laughs> X, Y, 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 you know, X, Y. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but this leads to my prop comedy bit. Okay. This this is the unveiling because, as you know, you're like, why couldn't you just ship the thing that you bought in Ohio, you dumb fuck? Here's the thing. When in Rome and when with my mom, part of the thing, we go hunting, you know, we got to hunt. That's the, that's the quality time. We spend time in the car, fetching and kibitzing, and then we got to fixate on one thing. Sure. And I passed on a pair of Nike Pegasuses at the outlet. So I was like, hmm. they're still like almost 100 bucks. That's not a deal. Yeah, What's the Nike the deal? outlet's frequently disappointed yeah, in that way. Very sad. So, you know, it was kind of like, then I was like, I kinda, maybe I should just go back. That's the cheapest thing I'm going to have. And they don't make, whatever, you know, fetching about a gym shoe. Yeah. And mine are not that worn down. They're just enough to be like, mm, soon. So do you want to hedge it off at the pass or not? So we pop into a Marshalls because we're like, ooh, I love steals and deals. Let's go take a look. And then we go to one. Holy shit. $45 Pegasus is size nine. And I said, damn. She's like, we can go. It's Ohio. Just drive five minutes. And there's another one. And I said, okay, let's go. And lo and behold, these beautiful little gray Nike Pegasi that are normally like, 85 to 100 dollars 45 dollars so i say thank you that was worth it um but they didn't fit in my carry-on so we had to ship them well hey i would so i would say that's worth it but you usps to them to yourself how much did that cost 11 dollars. okay still not, cheaper not still, bad still, still much cheaper did i pay for either of those things no you know sometimes you, these mommy. shoe companies too they still make you pay shipping this isn't an amazon situation i've gotten so used to amazon that when i go on like a private website yeah that isn't subscription based and mm-hmm. I order something and they're like shipping and handling. I'm like, huh? Huh? And yeah. what? And well, then they're like, well, if you, if you buy a whole nother pair of shoes and then maybe a t-shirt, then it's free. And you're like, well, mm. that's your fab. Did you cancel fab Blacks, by the way? Uh, yes. Hmm. I think Uh-oh. I can't remember. Double check that. I might want to double check that. That's yeah. a really good point. Um, I'm pretty sure I did though. Well, Nike, wait a minute. Are those in a new balance box? Yes, they are. Why? Uh, because the box that they came in when you buy them at like, a liquidation store like a TJ Maxx Marshalls. It has no lid. And all oh. we did was just wrap it in craft paper. And I was like, we need a box with a lid. Can I we like see. swap? And my mom had a old New Balance box. Okay. I was very confused. The whole time I thought you were like doing this whole thing about how you wanted Nikes. And, you and know, I you're bought New Balances like a dumbass? And you bought New Balances because no. you're turning old now. No, new, I will never wear New Balance. Thank you so much. Why not? I, I feel like that's, you know, kind of... In the normcore vein, that's come around as a fashionable item. For it's not 2016, so I'm not doing normcore. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I have brand of you know loyalty Nike sure. only on my body. Okay. For athletics, really, that's weird. Why is that? It fits think? better. You think so? Yeah. For it me, it runs small, and you're a man, as we know, so it makes sense. <sighs> the leggings fit right. The shorts are. T- it's all also so cheap. Yeah, it's that child slave labor, man. Ooh. Those little fingers get those stitches they so really, tight. It really does. Yeah. Oh, they hold up in washes in the shower. Like, listen, can't beat them. You yeah, know? Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Adidas, too weirdly like Euro trash for me. It's not part of my aesthetic. Ah, uh, see, I'm more like that. I like that more. Well, you can, you're Italian. Mountain yeah. people, we go, no. Hmm. You know? That's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, well. Because I can't do the like baggy crotch skinny leg thing because I have, you know, thunder thighs and. You know, trunks. You know, this reminds me. So it doesn't me, work. Uh, I was told to tell you about this, and I didn't intentionally save it for the podcast, but I guess I did now. 
great. I bought a uh, pack of Amazon Basics boxer briefs. Dumbass. Just because I don't like spending money on underwear. And as we've discussed, the uh, Calvin Kleins that I used to like have mm-hmm. descended in quality quite considerably. You also wear things until they're shredded. That's correct as well. Mm-hmm. So I bought these Amazon Basics figuring whatever. It's $12. If they don't work out, they don't work out. Did you buy children's underpants again? I did not. Uh, the oh, sizing cool. I got correct. Here's the thing, though. They are made very poorly. Uh-huh. They're very inconsistently made. Oh, yeah, So yeah. out of it's a like pack of Target four... like buying Target underpants. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Out of a pack of four, one of the pairs that I got, it fits well around the waist, but one of the legs was sewn a different circumference than the other, so it pinches my thunder thigh really considerably. Oh, no. And I put up with it for one wear, and then it came back from the laundry. And shrunken was, and was It was shrunken, and now both were like that. Oh, fuck. So no. I was like, I can't manage this, but I put them on anyway, and I went to work, and you know what I did? did you I just them? cut the elastics like it was the early 2000s, and I was wearing jeans that were too long. So now I have a pair of underwear that has a little slit on the inner thigh. That's just slowly. Why did ripping. you choose the inner thigh, you <laughs> dumb fuck? Why do you, wider outseam. and wider? Why would I do that? The inseam, the inner thigh is where you know that's holding up the you know the crown and jewels. I guess that's true. Yeah. What you need that to be you know a little tighter. Well, the, it's a very small cut for now. It's going to get larger over time, and then eventually we'll throw them away. So I pre-shredded them. Is what I'm saying. Throw them out now. I no, I'm not going to. I have a picture. I'll show it to you. I don't need it. I'm good. I sent it to someone, and their first comment was, you should show this to Will. <laughs> Anne-Marie McBride, get your shit together. <laughs> Everyone knows this tortures you. No. To no end. <laughs> Christ. At least I know what to get for your birthday. Underwear? Yeah. Oh, nice. That's, cool. Is that something that one a homosexual buys for the <laughs> you know, straight best friend? I don't know how I feel about it. Mm. So, you know, it does I'll make get me you the pride. I'll get you the pride pack like you like. I know, but I, last time I got the pride pack, it was no good. I need a fancier brand, I think. Mm. Mm. just go to uniqlo like a fucking normal human yeah i don't know how i feel about my gay bro buying me underwear i don't think that's i don't think you should do that i don't think so either i think it's a little uncomfortable i don't even buy my gay lover underwear wow yeah i buy him sporting equipment really like what like barbells tennis bag oh okay he plays tennis yeah oh that's cool i didn't know that yeah Oh, now I have a reason to bring up David Foster Wallace to him. I don't think he'll care. Everyone that, everyone he'll be that like, plays that's, tennis, I'm like, and I he'll be like, know that's about tennis. That's not actually how it goes. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Um, yeah, different scales. Yeah, uh-huh. So you shipped the shoes back shipped to yourself, shoes, yeah. but that's good. Hey. Yeah. That's a worthwhile investment. And it's also, that's a nice story about you bonding with your mother going to a second Marshalls. That's we, we pretty intense. A, we went to a TJ Maxx. TJ's, okay. And then we went to a Marshalls. It was a... The original TJ's. Well, I, I explained the idea of TK Maxx. What does that mean? It's TJ Maxx in London. Mm-hmm. We, we saw several. Yeah, that's right. It's not the same company, right? It's just a coincidence, the name? No, it's the same company. Oh, okay. Why I don't... They... Translation. Really? translation it's the same language i don't know corporation translation they have to be like it's tk max odd yeah i think they were probably like tj max sounds trash tk okay. gotta go to tk mm-hmm. you know like harry going to buy sale things that they said was a lie what are you talking about something from his book in spare he was like i used to go to tk max once a year and buy all my shit that is not true exactly what a lie they were like, we have no record of this. But the only we part checked. of his book that's interesting to me at all, his dingus falling off, is and his getting dingus getting getting frostbite, he put and then also very expensive lotion on it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was a big deal. It was princess dyes, like fancy, fancy pants, British lotion. Yeah, it's like don't smear La Mer on you. Your know, dick. he just was jacking it too. There's no way with a frostbit dick. You know, you Ooh. pull it yourself through what a lot. What does it come out? Is like ice cubes? The moment you touch Shaved your ice? Johnson with lotion, it's going to shake one out whether you like it or not. <sighs> Harry's just a man like anyone else. I know that's what he did. I hate everything so much right now. Oh, my God. Yeah, I liked that part, and I liked the part about how he murked 25 Afghanis from an Apache. Speaking of Afghanis, yeah. I... I I've been having nightmares recently, like a lot. Really? Yeah, it's I again energy from the party zone. Okay. Yeah. Or the party floor, the in between space leaking in. Sure. Um. So I had a, a dream last night. 
when I fell asleep on the couch, I woke up because I had this nightmare where I was like walking through a Middle Eastern city and then we're walking and then I just see this guy and it kind of went into Kill Bill sound effect and color, like inverse color. And then an explosion was happening and I was trying to run away. Wow, that's a very cinematic dream. Yeah. I mean, that's like the beginning of Children of Men, basically. A little. Except you just mixed it racistly with your memories of the Bush years. It was, was a little was like the, Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was the like, uh, you know, the wailing uh, Arabic chanting mm. happening in the background? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. no, no, no. It was like walking through a market and then I was like, oh my God, we have to turn left and get out of here because I, 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 I had like a premonition that th- things were bad and then I the explosion happened and I woke up while it, because oh, it went into no. like, Ear. wow. The idea of you uh, being involved in some kind of terrorist attack and having the instinct to turn left and <laughs> doing that to escape. You just rerunning back into uh-huh. the explosion. I was like, th- well, yeah, of course I turned left. But the, the doorway in this giant wall in my dream was to the left. So I was oh. like, we got to get out of the city. Oh, man, you would have done such a good job escaping from the 92nd floor of the towers. You just turning left all the way down those stairs. You would have been the only one that made it out. Oh, yeah. People yeah, were we getting gotta confused go in the black smoke, but you would have known. Nope, nope, nope. Keep yeah. left all the way down. <laughs> oh, my God. Why do you really like that's, you know. I don't know how much we've discussed dreams on this podcast, but I don't typically remember my dreams. And when I do, they're incredibly atmospheric and hard to describe. I don't have very like crisp images in my dreams. Like you describing the like Kill Bill style sound effect and inverted color and like, you know, having a very clear narrative to what was going on. Not that you knew the motivations or like who was involved, but like you were in a place and then that thing happened. I find that things are not that clear in my dreams that often. Well, we talked about the last time, like the, the, the shared night terror time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I had another one oh, after right. that yeah. that was like not scary, but was bad. Yeah. Um, I was at a resort. This was during white Lotus watching. So I was at a resort somewhere and I had made out with some dude, but I had no pants on, but I had a shirt. So I was Winnie the pooing. <laughs> oh God. Um, and I was like, I, I gotta find I gotta find my pants. And then, but I was like, Oh, but I do want to go in the ocean, but Oh my God, I have to apologize and, you know, say like, Oh my God, I did a bad thing. But then I was, got distracted and then went to a bar, but it was like, Ooh, maybe we'll take my cocktails to the beach. And then I said, no, got to find pants and apologize. Huh? Okay. And then I went into whatever structures like gym area. Yeah. Um, and it was like a eighties, like kind of creepy looking kind of thing where it was like all tile, all pink tile and like very smoky and dimly lit. And all the gym equipment was from the eighties. And then there was the, like a resting sauna room where everyone was on cots. It was a bunch of old people on cots and I was like, this is weird. I got to get it out of here. And then I finally en- ended at like a dark room where only one other person was there. And they were like, hello. And I was like, ah, oh and I woke God. up. Did you ever find your pants or were you Winnie the Pooh? I was the Winnie dream? the Pooh the whole time. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, we also saw like a hit going on. Like a hit as in an assassination? Or like something? an attempt. We were like, oh, that guy's going to get whacked because there was like a fight. Okay. Well, you know, at least this- something's going on in... We're unpacking a lot, and I don't know what it is. I guess so, but at least the settings for your dreams are very, very literal. Oh yeah, I was watching White Lotus, and I go to the gym. I'm just <laughs> now. I bet that terrorist attack wasn't in the Middle East. It was definitely at a mall. Well, I I think it. Well, it was from. I'm being, just thinking about like the four locations that I know for sure you mostly go to. I think it's from being in Ohio in like desolation time. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, it's suspicious, creepy. Also, I've been watching The Last of Us. Oh really? Is it any good? The dr- the drama is good and Pedro Pascal. Oh, you like Pedro? Huh? Who doesn't? Did you ever watch Narcos? Yeah. Oh, okay. Who's hot in that too? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mand- Mandalorian not hot. Well, he's got the thing on the whole time. No, he takes it off. Well, he takes it off later. Just say hello to you know. He says hello to the small bean. Yes. Fuck off. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Um. Fuck. What was I gonna say? Oh, I had a bad dream recently that I remembered pretty clearly that was art-related. It was very strange. Mm. I was curated into a group show. Mm. Um, not at a real gallery. Mm. It's sounding more and more like a nightmare. That time. exists in real life, but like in the dream, it was a prestigious place, and I was very excited about this. And then I showed up to the opening, and I walked around, and I couldn't find my painting. And I spent like an inordinate amount of time walking around a limited selection of paintings to not find it. And I went to the gallerist, and I said, you know, what? where's my... Where's my work? And they just pointed me to a curator who <coughs> happened to be a very snotty gay man mm. that was like, 
Yeah, I didn't include your painting in the show because it turns out it's actually just a very bad painting. You're a very bad artist. Like, whoa. Like, he just really read me the riot act. And I was kind of, you know, just standing there slack jawed. Like, this is, is that me? Not what I was expecting. I don't know. Are you worried about me constantly judging you all the time? Maybe. Mm, well. And then I remember wandering to the basement of this gallery, like the storage area. That's and where I, you're comfortable. I found, yeah, right. And I found my painting in a disheveled box, like a poorly made oh, shadow box. The worst thing for you. Yeah, and it was just sitting there like in this crumpled pile, basically. You know, the painting was intact, but the box was in tatters. And I remember just thinking in the dream, like, I'm just going to leave it. It is a bad painting. And it was a bad painting. It wasn't a painting I've ever actually made. Oh. Thank, you know, Gotzai Donk. But uh, it was... What the fuck? I did a little bit. Of, I'll get to this later. Uh, <sighs> I was reading a lot about Germany today. Um Oh yeah, all good. Only good things ever come for that from you, <laughs> Jesus fuck. Um, so I, re- it was not a painting I'd ever made. It was a very bad painting. It was like this purple and white, very textured, like terrible monstrosity. I was glad it, 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 when I woke up that it wasn't a real one because the feet. You know how the feeling of a dream can really leave you. I find images don't ever are never real, never placed images. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Your brain can't do all that kind of sorting. Plus, your phone does it for you. It, it depends. It depends, man. Pe- some people have dreams where they can read in them. It's really crazy. Yeah. Those are psychopaths. It just depends. Well, SSRIs will give you weird dreams that are much more vivid. That's my understanding anyway. Hmm. Um, so anyway, it was a bad painting. But I remember being relieved when I woke up that it wasn't a painting I had made because the feeling the dream left me with was like it extended into the day. Right. Where like... I don't usually remember my dreams right when I wake up, but at some yeah. point, like after the second coffee, I'm like, oh yeah. And the feeling kind of comes back and I was like, man, I should quit. I do suck. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you just feel like you have that, that residue, yeah, even yeah. though it's not you, your rational mind is telling you what it wasn't real, but yeah. Hmm. So, all right. I don't know where that was coming from though. Cause it's not yeah. like I have anything cooking or that I'm even worried about that, mm-hmm. it, it, but I must be, I don't know. Well, again, you're, uh, super ego is not concerned, but your your id is going like, mm, give it all up. You fucking suck. I guess so, man. But you know, I'm not. And it's me in a suit going, give up. You. The thing is, it fuck. wasn't you. It was yeah. some. It was a. It was the type of gay that's like in a movie that's so much meaner than you that it was cartoonish. Mm. But it was also just like so unexpected that that's what hurt. It wasn't really oh, like the a, person's attitude. Like it's, a devil wears Prada gay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, almost exactly. Like Stanley that. Tucci is yeah, telling you yeah, to fuck yeah. off. It, he, and he kind of looked like Stanley Tucci. Honestly, he did. Hmm. That's really weird that you say that. Um, that's what I aspire to look like in my advanced age. That's not a bad thing to aspire to. He's aged very well. Yeah. I would say. He's jacked. Yeah. Tan, bald. Yeah. Good eyewear. Okay. Gets Travel. Yeah. For CNN. Ooh, maybe not that. Maybe you can host New Year's Eve with Anderson Cooper and talk about public executions for a while. <sighs> I'll just do poppers with Andy. <laughs> with Andy Cohen. Yeah. yeah. We're cleaning VH- oh, man. VHS I think, tapes. I hate to dwell on this because it's a month after New Year's, but I think Andy Cohen and Anderson Cooper might might be like the absolute worst representation of the gay community I could ever No think. shit. <laughs> just absolutely the two Speaking worst. Speaking of members. super egos and id, super ego is Anderson Cooper and id is Andy, and there's no ego that's in between. True. Yeah, that's true. That's right. Or is ego on the top one? Super Ego's the middle layer of the the cake of My, Freud. Uh, I haven't thought about Freud in many years, but m- yeah, I think that uh, you know, the id's obviously the unconscious sort mm-hmm. of uh, Dionysian layer of your personality. The super ego's the societal layer, like um, conventions and uh-huh. you know, n- normalized you, behavior. You think you then, organize it? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, uh-huh. and then the ego's sort of I would consider it the middle layer. Hmm. I thought it was the top layer, like the icing. No, in the same sense that, like, in the Marxist formulation, there's, like, superstructure and base, you know? I like, don't know her. It, 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 the superstructural thing is always the top. Mm. I, was I think- might be wrong, though. I don't know. I don't I care was, either. I was th- yeah, I was thinking about this. I was like, hmm. Because, you know, you see people like, oh, my God, back to back to teaching. And I'm like, what did the kids even read now? And I was like, God, I don't care. Like, if anyone was would ever be like, hey, do you want to give a talk or do a thing? I'd be like, Honestly, do you really want that from me? Because I'm just going to tell them everything that you don't want them to hear. And I don't know if they're ready for it. Do you ever fantasize about teaching? 
Uh, I fantasize about teaching specifically in this environment. And I mean art school teaching. I don't mean teaching like science class at a high school or whatever. Yeah. I mean like the only thing I know about, I, I think about what it was like for me. And I think how I wouldn't acted. even be good at that at this point. I would just be like, because I was looking, like when I was in Ohio, I was looking at the Julian, they had the yellow Julian Stanzak out, which is a beautiful painting. It does wild shit. And I was looking, I was like, I don't know how the fuck he does that. And I'm like, I'm sure with the color aid, you know, but I'm like, how would you explain that? I don't have the words. And looking back, I'm like, I didn't have the words then either. I would just be like, look at it. It does it. Yeah, I think I, I, I think this is kind of where I was going with this. When I fantasize about teaching in my head, I, it, it's this is very egotistical, <laughs> speaking of that. But I always try to think of how I would frame things in a way that was um, general and wise, yet helpful. Like, you do have to speak to them in kind of vague terms, like in these what you see is what you see type of right. terms. But how do you how do you communicate to them that, like, basically no one can help you with this, myself included, right. yeah. but I'm going to kind of shepherd you through the process of learning how to see. Well, like, even that's if a you... difficult thing. I don't think that's really what professors do. I think most of the lowly, lazier ones tend to think of it as a pretty programmatic thing. Right. I write a syllabus. I teach the syllabus. I'm teaching you fundamentals. But right. it's like nobody remembers that shit or is any good at it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you might as well throw that out. But like, imagine going to crit like undergrads. I feel like that's I would what just I'm wa- saying. I feel yeah. like I would just walk in and be like, yeah, that's not good. And well, they would be like, how do you know? I'm like, do you see how messy this fucking thing is? Like, it doesn't mean anything. And I know it means something to you, but it doesn't mean anything to me. And I'm the only one that cares well maybe your strategy would be different than mine i'm sure it would be but like i I would have the tendency to not want to be judgmental towards them because you know outright discouragement or like even bringing the strata of quality to a conversation of a bunch of junk is not going to be very helpful yeah but i'm like i don't want to see junk at that point i'm like what's the fucking point i'm like this is all a mess you know like and maybe you'd see be like i like it doesn't mean it's good because then you're just bringing all of your like knowledge of the rest of the world that they don't know about you know you're just like yeah but that's your job though yeah not if you're a guest you can just shit on them all day long not if you're not if you're a guest but pretending for a second that you actually have like a pedagogical responsibility that you're being like paid for this job Mm. you know because that's how this conversation started can you even imagine doing that like i tend to think about this in political terms because like it just does sound like completely fraught with uh, like politics all the time i don't know how i would navigate that i would try to steer them away from that well that's yeah that's could you do that without risking your reputation probably well that's the thing i'd be like you know in the contemporary climate i would just tear everyone a new asshole in there be like are you just ripping on me because i'm you know a queer poc and i'm like no it's because the work's bad who are you who are you to say i'm like I'm older. Fuck you. I always imagined, and this is purely hypothetical again, I think this is much easier said than done, is like I would like to have a class where basically on the first day, let's say this is a more advanced class. You're not teaching right. the first years here. You're teaching fourth years or whatever. Yeah. Just be like, hey, in my class, when you talk about your work and when we talk about our work with each other, first of all, nothing is off limits except for your identity. You are just not allowed to talk about it. Yeah. We're here to talk about your work. It doesn't matter who you are or what you feel. Statements that begin with I or you are not allowed. Like, you know, do you think yeah. you could get away with that now? I think people would actually just complain about you. It would be complained about. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but at the same time, it's like, listen, you'd have to just freight, like bracket the concept of the course as like, you know, critique as the critic. Just be like, you don't have an I. You don't, you don't have a say in your own work. Right. You know, you don't get to introduce the baseline framework would be you don't get to introduce it you don't get to you could maybe write a statement that we all read quietly whatever you know you know you're just witnessing reaction right and if you want to cry in the corner i don't give a fuck go to the bathroom also we have a place for that it's called your apartment there's no crying in the break room right. joan holloway rules only um and i think that actually might be fair like it would it be useful no, because people would just be internally, you know, going through it instead of having that, you know, Socratic dialogue, which is, you know, the point of it, right? But, like, it would be useful to just be like, oh, shit, people are tearing this shit apart. But you'd also have to, like, ground rules of, like, I don't care what you think of this person. Fuck you. You can't ad hominem attack them or bring what you know extraneously to the work. You just have to react to this. Well, that's also why you can't use you can't use judgment too much as a tactic as a teacher either. 
like I, I don't think it's that I don't think it's that important anyway to be that critical of them because if you if what you're trying to do is teach them to react to something that they're being present with, like attacking things is automatically going to make people retreat to a comfortable you know cozy inner place. They're, yeah, they're all going to go to the happy Gilmore verse with the alligator and grandma and the guy that lost his hand. You know and what Bob I mean? Bob Barker. Yeah. Okay. Well. So you don't you don't want that. Sounds fun to me. Quite. That, that, it sounds very aggressive as a place, but all right. I think sure. you want people to like stay engaged with what they're doing. But like, I've been thinking a lot about this lately because I uh, there's a John Cage performance that I discovered. I, I don't know what to call it. I mean, I guess it's poetry, but he considers it music anyway. Mm-hmm. He took all these like statements by Jasper Johns. And he wrote these. It was uh, in the hallway. Mesta- yes, it was in the hallway at the show, and it was playing. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've been listening to that whole performance. I'm just trying to tell the listener yeah. what this is. It's hard to describe. So it's a performance of these Jasper John statements that are then by chance reordered into these poems. They're called mestastic poems. They have a certain structure. Look it up. I forgot the name. It's very for- difficult what to did describe. He, what was the title of them? I forgot. Or the um, title of the the one, one that I've been listening to is titled. Um, Art is either a complaint or do something else. Yeah, but which the, is relevant yeah, to this the, conversation. The, yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> shit. But there's a few of them. Yeah, yeah. But they're a, really a, long. Yeah, you know? yeah they're, they're like, not short. They're like 45 minutes long, and John Cage's voice is really. Um, he's got he, a he's got a lilt to him. He reads them and performs them very well. It's very yeah. intentional. You can tell that he's a composer because they're done with a certain pacing right. and all of this. But basically, what happens is that these very cogent, but um, aphoristic statements get reorganized um, by chance and it's funny how much of a mantra it becomes it almost becomes like a Buddhist chant type of thing yeah. where it borders on nonsense but the reordering of them it's it keeps making sense that's a John's rebus right there which is kind you of know. amazing on Jasper John's part that like you know no matter how you every episode can't be us sucking his dick though I'm sorry I know this, that's my fault but you know, it's so old and gray. He keeps reforming these statements, and they keep making sense, but they also are nonsense. And you, you keep going through this thing, and I and I kept thinking about like how everything I've learned about art that I consider like formative mm-hmm. to bring it back to yeah. trying to teach people yeah. stuff is like through things like that that are that are experiences that you have that are pretty vague and hard to describe. In other words, aesthetic experiences. You right. know that thing that Barnett Newman says about like, it must be like ornithology for the birds. Right. Like every time you try to academicize it or literalize it or put it in a form that isn't just looking at stuff or trying to experience things, you're not really learning anything anyway. Right. So how would you communicate to other people how to start doing that i don't really know that's but that's the but that's the job of a teacher and i think most most teachers don't really do that like maybe through some kind of push pull of just getting you to think about different things they can change your mode of thinking right but i would be more interested if i were a teacher in like how do you jump start even getting them to the meta level of we're thinking about modes of doing things not right not thinking about specific aboutness. I mean, I'm I, sure none of no, that no, makes no, no, sense. No, 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 that that makes yeah. sense. Uh, like, let me let me explain why that makes sense. Cause, hi, yes, I went to Ohio. We did that little thing with the props. It's not just about shopping for shoes, but I, I went to the CMA because you know if we talk about going to Europe land and then going to the Met and being like, whew, what a disappointment. Oh, oh, oh. Imagine me walking through the CMA and going, whew, you know. As a lear- you know, an old learned person, and I'm like, how the fuck do you, again, how would you talk to someone who's like, yeah, I really love this painting at the CMA. That's the only museum I've ever gone to. Granted, this is me. This is me at 18 or whatever. Like, I, you know, you see whatever, or you see maybe, go, you know, I was taken places, but like, I didn't know shit about fuck, right? Like, and then maybe they go to the Met on their little, like, group trips or whatever and they maybe go to MoMA for one time but like if you're a you know a student of locations and you visit the Met and you go oh they moved to th-, you know whatever a place that has a lot of things and you're like oh it's moved you know and you can fetch about it and then you bitch about the CMA but then you're like fuck it I went to the Louvre didn't see it all but I still like am in awe of the possibility of when how do you relate to someone whose possibility of is 75 objects of of interest you right. know like that's baffling to me 
Like I had that thing of like, oh my God, I've done so many things in my life. Oh shit. Wow. Experience really is like the juice. Right. And how would you even relate to someone who's like, I don't know, I'd like hang out. Well, I think one of the ways you do that is just simply through exposure. So even if you're a professor that's a lot wiser than them, or you're just a mentor or just a person in their life, like I think about this with grown-ass adults that are my age or older sometimes. It's uh, frequently alarming to me, the like things that people just don't know, that I would just consider like it's embarrassing baseline knowledge to lack. Right. Anyway, so rather than make them feel bad about that or yeah or that's not the intent of like that description but it's like i it's it is very hard to be like or, how do you bridge that rather than make them feel any way about that you simply just expose them to something to the thing yeah and then if it sticks it sticks or not so in terms of a professor with a student i think most of that is just exposing them to things you think they might benefit from long term right and most of it's not going to stick but that's like the sacrifice that that's your job. That's what yeah. you're doing. Um, and the ones that are a little bit brighter, maybe you can have slightly more complex conversations with them. Right. You know, and the thing that's interesting about that to me is like, I don't know why we think of somebody being younger, having a limited set. Sure. They have a limited set in terms of museums that they've been to or right. art objects that they've seen. But like, there's a Rauschenberg quote that like, you know, uh, nobody makes work with one foot in the art book. Right. Like, well, yeah. that doesn't really help you that much. I wouldn't know shit about their little, like, internet references or whatever the fuck. You know, sure. I'd be like, or, what? Or, you know, the, like, the classic example of someone that shows up to an art school that's like, I have a style and they want to defend what they're making because oh, they've seen yeah. a million animes. Yeah. And they think that means that they have a style and they're making art. No, but it's it means like, that they have a body pillow that they hump. Probably, but what they've also probably seen are tens of thousands of images. They probably have a really deep knowledge of something, but what right. they think they like about it is very low compared to the potential that they could unlock. Right. So rather than dissuade them from what they're already interested in, you have to like just coax them into a, di- a right. different way of looking at it. Correct. Yeah, I think that's fair. Because I, I was thinking about, you know, as you're explaining that, I was thinking like, you know, how many times were you offered the thing of like, oh, you just kind of had to be there to see a thing? you know oh i saw that you know it's it's you know glory day reliving like it's football like high school football for some of the people that we were taught by like oh if you weren't there oh yeah i know them i knew uh, you know them or you met them you know it's that kind of question and it's like well what did you think when you went to the the louvre and they're like i don't know i was 20 and i was fucking high on quaaludes you know like and it's like what but you didn't care and it wasn't like the pinnacle of you know all your knowledge that you were working on and they're like no i was young and dumb it's like oh okay well like that would be the kind of thing like if you're like okay i see you like this well by the way this place has this thing you're gonna fucking love it you don't have to go but i need to show you all these images back like you like nikki p great here's 37 of them in a row Bing, well, bing, bing, what bing, I would bing, maybe bing. be more interested in in that hypothetical is not necessarily being like, hey, there's all these poo sands that you might really like that are housed at this place. And like, because that's kind of dry. Maybe mm-hmm. they would respond to that. Maybe they wouldn't. But what I would be more interested in expressing is like, hey, pay attention to the way that different exposure hits you at different times in your life. Mm, like yeah. the things that you're seeing now that you think are eternal um, might not be. Right. So keep that in mind. And also keep in mind that if you feel like you're missing out on stuff, you might get to it later and it might mean something else. Then. Yeah. And then once you kind of learn that, you can reframe your entire life. Like, I'm not saying that I learned this in any thorough way ever. But if I have, it's been in the last few years to just be like, oh, OK, actually, life is more unstable than it is stable. So pay attention to that. Yeah. So if you're making a painting that resembles Poussin, right, and it's got all this solidity, I might not need to show you more Poussin. Yeah. I might say, think about what this might mean to you in 30 years or something. Yeah. It's very poor articulation and an example because it's like they're not going to respond to that. No, no, they're going to be like, you're well, a, When you're a kid, you're like, 30, time. I'll be dead. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Uh-huh. You know. But you have to find a way to like make that kind of realization accessible to somebody because I wish that people had had these kind of conversations with me where they assumed that I was at a higher level than I was. Cause I do feel like I was talked down to a lot and I have a chip on my shoulder. Guilty. about that. I don't yeah. like that. 
So like I wish people had just been a little more um a little nicer, but also like danced around things in a way that was productive. Hard to do. The thing is, yeah. I've also learned that most adults don't really know anything, well, including sad. professors from your life and stuff. That like mostly adults are busy with like parents that have cancer or just whatever kids you know yeah and they don't have fucking time for you really even yeah. though it's their job and they don't owe you well, they're anything. not mommy and daddy and they're also maybe not smart yeah you know mm-hmm. it takes a long time to learn that like holy shit the whole world economy functions and no one knows when world war ii was yeah. like that's an incredible thing that's like shocking and appalling but you're like wow it still works though yeah, yeah. so you're like yeah most people when it comes to aesthetic experiences, things that are hard to describe, don't know shit. Even people that claim to. Right. I mean, you know, to bring it to a local example, like, you know, there's a painting at the CMA of, it's a Matisse of a view from the backseat of the uh, I love car. that painting, yeah. That, so cool. Do you know how good that hits? Because it's kind of minor, but it's really impressive as a pictorial idea that it's very important as a concept. Yeah. You know, you think of... Matisse is like, ooh, color and shapes and shit and like composition and woo, blowing out the form. And you're like, no, it's about observation, right? Like Matisse is like out of, you know, later after cubism, right? But it is still like we're dealing with observation. And that little crystallization of like, it's a little woo. Like, I feel like that's one of the earliest representations you're ever going to find of a car in Western art history. As a passenger, too, and like there's a certain well, level of like flanner, flannery uh, out of the modern tradition there. Like you're just like, oh, it's the evolution of, and it's at a critical point in mechanical history and art history, and it's a magisterial, teeny tiny little painting. Well, that's one of the hardest things uh, for me that I always felt like was boring when I was younger is especially with old master paintings and just any anything from prior to your age, people focus a lot on its importance from the point of view of how perspective is represented. And by that, I don't mean the linear geometric right. drawing perspective. I mean the perspective of like participants in a scene or where yeah, the yeah. viewer is supposed to be. Most of the innovations in art history like happened through different versions of that kind of placement. And the Matisse one is a kind of a good example because you, you, you see it and you get it. Like, yeah. holy shit, it's kind of crazy that somebody painted from inside of a car. Like, literally nobody had ever done that before. And, like, the uh, you can immediately make the larger general connections that are the universal experience of art. Like, oh, that's a different perception of space and time. Yeah. You know, you get to places immediately just by that shift in the placement of the viewer and the artist. It tells you a lot. Yeah. And, you know, so if you go back and you think about, like, I don't know, you see a, a, a Botticelli painting and you're like, why is this a big deal? And it's like, well, because a it nude un- that wasn't for religion hadn't showed up in a while. It also yeah. unlocks Sienese painting of like, you know, Palazzo scenes or whatever. You're like, what the, f- oh, it's very much about viewpoint. Yeah, or like the big deal about like a Giotto painting is that the viewers actually placed like they're a participant in the funeral rather than this thing being on like a stage that's somewhere else. Like, you know, like... Those are very slight things that you might intuit when you're looking at something without being able to like really describe it. But really good artworks can often like just just let you know that in a flash. Like I feel like what I would do, like what I would want to do is teach like art history, like the alternate way. Or I'd be like, okay, so sometimes we're talking about small works and we're in the classroom and they're projected at exactly their size on the wall. So you get that feeling. But when those shits are big, we got to go to the fucking auditorium because I got to project the burial at Ornan. That would be a cool concept for an art history class in general. Teach it in the auditorium and just make sure that your slides are at a pretty close to the right scale of what the things actually are. But I mean, like you would have to go in a smaller room to get the like sense of being in the room with it. Sort of. Yeah. And like include the frame. Like it's always like, here's the image. It's like, no, no, no. Throw the frame on there. Like, I think that would actually be the most useful kind of thing to be like, eh, this is this is the object. Unfortunately, it's tied to the frame, you know, or fortunately, like this is what the experience of it is like. It's not just about the images, even though, you know, you're unpacking like eh, metaphor and bullshit. Who cares? Like we can do that. But like it's a physical object in the world that does something to you. Well, you know, I, I, I agree with I agree with this. To some to extent, a, yeah, because the the thing the thing is like scale is not really the most important thing. I think all the metaphor blah 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 that you kind of like blew by yeah, there yeah. 
is actually the only thing that's really teachable from reproduction. Right. If you're talking about experience, I don't think there's much point in, in really replicating things because b- by the same logic, you could just put on an Oculus on somebody and it would give them a better sensation I guess, of yeah. being in the room with a painting than anything else. But like, is that really like, I think the value add there is actually really slight. I think mm-hmm. it's more productive to teach, teach about things that are available um, just through text and just through photographs. However, I don't know. I kind of love the idea of like, oh fuck, that's a big bitch. Where you know? I, I guess, but like, so what? Like things, things being big and small is is so superficial that 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 almost doesn't. Did you think matter. the coronation of Napoleon was that fucking big? I knew it was pretty big. Yeah, I didn't know it was that fucking big. It matters I that it's I, that I big, guess but I don't really. You know, my problem is famously scale of things. Don't know. Just don't really know. Yeah. Here, here's where I buying a rug. I don't know. How here's big. my suggestion. Here's how I I would level with you a little bit, or like one suggestion I would have for like art history pedagogy. I think they should teach it in reverse. Oh, I basically yeah, yeah. think they should start from contemporary art, almost in, in the in the context of a bunch of undergrads. Almost let your students decide. Don't give them too much control. No, they're dumb. But if they're like, I love anime. You talk about Akira, and you work backwards from Akira to the Edo period, right? If you wanted to just stick with Japan, let's say that's the class yeah, you were teaching, like, mm-hmm, just okay, to keep yeah. the scope narrow enough to make it talkable. Yeah, right? otherwise you're... Ooh, you yeah, could yeah. absolutely do that. Yeah. But like in terms of scale and like presence with an object, one of the things that might be interesting is, you know, you're probably going to get a lot of students, because they're young, that are interested in something like Abex, right? They're going to have seen a big gestural painting. That's you. But there's a lot of... There's a lot of Students like that. Everybody likes a painterly painting, you know? It doesn't have to be abstract expressionism. Not for me. Sure. As a youth. I think I, cause you're... Because I, I was like, Andy! I, let's let's be clear, though. I think you're a lot less representative of most people than I am. I'm going to just be... Think about the number of people in your life that make paintings with a brush where you can see the marks. It's like almost everybody. Yeah. There's true. not very many yeah. people that are like, I wanted to use tape from the jump. I, yeah. <laughs> that's not a thing, you know? Yeah, I was like, y'all got silly. So crates. the point that yeah. I'm making is this. If you yeah. teach in reverse and you're like, okay, you have a connection with this thing and you try to get them to express like why they're liking it. And then you work back from the perspective of looking at a Jackson Pollock, you might get them more interested if you step back slowly. Right. It's very boring to start from Giotto and be like, at the end of the semester, we'll squeeze in what you like for one week at the very end. And maybe you'll make all these connections if you weren't bored to tears this whole time. Mm -hmm, But if you go in reverse, I think that's always been my experience of art history is that things are more clear to me. Just like I can name all the presidents in reverse much easier than forward. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Because that's how your sense of time actually works. Actually works, yeah. And memory actually works and scale and presence actually works. So you you spend most of the semester stepping back really slowly and you're dwelling on things like minimalism. You're dwelling on things like land art, things that are really experiential. Eh, See, my thing was like, I was like, when are we get like when you got to the modern? It's so much on like, uh, what's the thing with the squiggles? Biomorphic cubisms. Biomorphic, Biomorphic like surrealism, like Joan Moreau yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that shit. Where I'm like, why are we spending so much time? And they're like, because they were weird and poetic and jerking off and being. I'm like, I don't fucking care. I, can we get to the cubes in the desert, please? How did we get from, you know, Manit to Cubes in the Desert? Someone explain it quickly. 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 And that never happened. And then I was like, that's why I like love frame conversations. I'm like, frames first cubes, you know? So like, let me think about that. Um, that was personal experience because I was like, what the fuck? Why are we talking? Why are we talking about the squiggle, the squiggle biomorphisms? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I know what you're saying. Like, you know, I, I've had similar experiences where there's a large disconnect between what your interest is or whatever, and then like what you're being subjected to, for sure. But it's like you want. I mean, it's interesting when you're talking about like cubes in the desert, and then you're talking about like a certain brand of surrealism. I mean, that connection is really obvious to me. It's easier when you think about like the academic surrealists, like Dali and Tingay and stuff that are. Uh, actually using like desert imagery with little still lives in it. Um, But it's very clear that there's some connection between like environment and the subconscious mind that people want you to have in both kinds of work, whether it's like a Walter Di Maria or a Dali or, you know, a Jean Moreau and then like a Judd and Marfa. 
it's not really that weird or different. Like the figure ground relationship is basically the same. Uh, I guess, but you know, the way that it's framed is always about like, oh, we're exploring like bodily. Yeah. But yeah. isn't that what a Donald Judd is doing? Right. Like, this is exactly what I'm talking about as a means of engaging a student. Like, I'm kind of treating you that way right now. Like, so you have this fundamental confusion about these two things. I have enough experiences with both things to, like, draw connections between them. So rather than, you know, try to convince you that a certain narrative about it is true, why don't we just take what you already know about both things and see where we go with that? Mm-hmm. This is much easier done one-on-one than in a classroom setting because right. you're going to get a cacophony of like different opinions Squawkings, about yeah. things. But Squawkings and cockings. You yeah. know, that's how you actually use your authority if you have it. I think you can just speak in a way to people that can kind of calm the squawking a little bit. If, if you know, if you project <sighs> yeah. that you know what you're talking about. Like, I don't oh. know fucking that much about Jean Moreau, but you can, you know, you can get there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. Holding court. Holding court is something that not everyone can do. And I feel like I've had only a couple people in an educational sense where they could hold court yeah, effectively. I agree. Um, just by sheer power of will, you know, of just like, don't cross me. This is my this is my turf. And you're like, mm, I believe it. Like you become that. It's like, you know, uh, what's it called? The, the, the people, the televangelists kind of thing. Of like, I believe it. Here's my $10. And it turns out it's like 150,000. Right. But like, you know, like sometimes that you you know and in the best case scenario you believe it enough and you're like i'm sold in the worst case scenario you realize after the fact you're like i've been sold a fucking timeshare in the florida everglades that flooded three years ago you know yeah and i mean you might learn that over time about certain things but like i do think it is a pretty good definition of intelligence like if someone can speak lucidly about any topic for a couple of minutes there's probably there's good odds that they know more about it than you do right and that they're worth listening to even if their conclusions about things you find out are wrong a couple years later when you get interested in a topic and learn as much about it as they know yeah um at that point you can make that determination but like i do basically this is i mean to your point, this is what snake oil peddlers and like grifters do is that they learn how to talk lucidly in a way that um, is strategically misleading. Right. Where like you can, um, what do they call it? It's called Russell conjugation when you can make um, statements where you're not exactly lying, but you are directing your statements in a way that leads people down a primrose path to a certain kind of belief. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, so the the political example I, I remember learning as an illustration of this was rather than say illegal immigrant, you say undocumented worker. No. Oh, you know, it God. doesn't. Yeah. I'm sorry that that's so loaded, but you get the meaning immediately, right? Which is yeah, like course, rather yeah, than like, load it one way, you load it a different yeah. way, and all of a sudden you have like this moral virtue that you gun still cocked. That, yeah, but that you don't have from the other perspective. So right. people use this to manipulate each other all the time, and I think that in like academic conversations this is a lot harder to detect because you do have to be pretty smart to to figure figure that out right like 10 cent words can really throw people off the scent of like cogent like, i want to issue like a, a, a writ large apology to like royden watson for being such an honest good person yeah and i thought that was dumb as a youth and i'm like oh no he's probably like the best guy no, right. one, one of my only uh, pedagogical memories from my undergrad years was from him. And it was a very basic observation that he was like, hey, you did about like 30% of the details. If you did like another 15% of the details, you'd really bring the painting home. <laughs> and it's like the, the, the way that he said that was Analytic, like critical and to the point. Yeah. Well, it was like it was like a baseball announcer. Yeah. Being like, oh, you know, like you know 70 percent of the power he would have he would have got it over the fence yeah. you know it's like and it made a lot of sense to me i yeah. understood what he meant immediately yeah i actually followed the advice because he wasn't condescending me yeah and it, he was right i i have so many other misremembered things or not remembered things that were supposed to be more profound and impactful that were in one way or another just ego driven i yeah i feel like work. i feel like you know at the end, of the, like, because Braden, like, at the end of the day, it was like, you're good at this, but you don't try. Yeah. Because I made panels for him one summer. He's like, yeah, these are kind of shitty. Um, and I was like, 
dude, I don't have a fucking... I'm doing it out of my garage wood shop, dude. What do you fucking want? They're still pretty... F- they're better than anything. He's like, yeah, you can do better. You didn't really try. You just hammered them out for 200 bucks. I'm like, I did. And you're going to give me the 200 bucks because you don't <laughs> have any other options. He's like, correct. You know, like, it's... That was like... He's like, I don't have anything to tell you. You just don't try hard when you should. You know, and we're not that much younger than Royden was at the time. Yeah. We might be the same age that he was at he that was like time. 40, yeah. And now imagine with your accumulated experience going to a 22-year-old and asking them to make you something that you're going to make your work on. Well, it no. would never be up to your standards. Oh, of course not. There's yeah, no yeah. way. No. Yeah. Even if it's better than you could buy. There are companies that do only this that I get their stuff and I'm like this could be way better. <laughs> so oh, of course, yeah. So, I mean, you know? shit, yeah. But the you know, that's the kind of thing yeah. of like the honesty of like I'm like, "Oh, then why the fuck are you paying me?" He's like, oh, "I can't pay for that shit." I'm like, "Okay, so you get what you get, bitch." Like, you know, and but you remember the basic criticism, which was just like just put in some amount of effort, you know. Like you don't have to try to be as good as you are, but if you tried, you could be great. And I'm like, "Trying sucks." And he's like, "You are a bitch." And I'm like, Yes. Yeah. Yes, I am. I'm a big bitch. Well, and the thing, too, that I think, to give you a lot of credit, I, I, I know I tacitly accuse you of being very critical all the time, but the thing you are good at is, like, reading what different people need, and I think you are good at picking up on um, when people need a little push that uh, you, you can dispense that at the right moment, then it might, like, actually work on them. I'm a little more sensitive in the other direction where I'm skeptical of pushing people really that much. I talk a big game, but I don't actually do that in my life very often. Oh, uh, this is a... Do you want to get into situational leadership and identifying <laughs> where people are at in their journey? Because there, there's things that... It's a rubric. It, this is not, you know, a different company paid for it, so I can fucking go for it. Um, you know, if you have someone who's enthusiastic but low skilled, oh, you just have to guide them. And you know what? You can. It's very easy to just give that. You just have to provide instruction because they're gonna, you know, be enthusiastic. They're gonna try, and trying is, you know, at the end of the day, most of the work. So you're like, okay, you take a lot of, you know, coaching or whatever or training, but you're enthusiastic. Once one, it's when they know a little bit. Then you're like, you have to motivate and train. And they're like, kind of just like, but I know everything because you told me. And you're like, that, 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 no, you don't know everything, you dumbass. Right. And you have to kind of like do the like motivation. And then there's the people who are like super knowledgeable, but low motivation because they're like, well, I just know what to do. So like, you don't really need to train me. You don't need to check back. And I'm like, no, you have bad habits. Right. And then there are people who are high motivation high high skill who are like oh no no, i do this because i need it to be a certain way and i know what's right and i you know that's what you kind of want and it's for a four square so it's kind of like college where you're like by the time you are done you need to be highly motivated and know what to do and be self-driven yeah you know i think the first square that you described i don't know if you can say it again because i don't remember what the exact binary was high motivation low skill high motivation low skill people are for me in my life Across every field, whether this is at work or or art or whatever, yeah. friends um, are by far the hardest to deal with. Which I think is, of course, true. Right? That that's like the second stage. It's like fan level. We're like, yeah. No, it's the medium motivation, medium skill. Those are the problem people. Where you're like, you know what you're doing. You kind of take feedback, but you don't really want to do it. You're just doing it because you, you. It's kind of where you're stuck. Like, people get stuck at that Punnett square. Well, because I think what happens is you can kind of fake your way through your life when you're stuck at um, medium motivation, medium skill, because you're smart enough to know that, like, strategy exists for advancement in life. You don't really know how to do it And you know that there is a tone that you can adopt, which will make it look like you're highly motivated and highly skilled. Yet you never develop the foundation to like actually get be there. Be good at it, yeah. You don't have the Zen instinct to actually focus long enough to be right. good at anything. Yes. You have the Machiavellian instinct to triumph uh, without the like skill of it. Well, not yeah. triumph to hold your position. Uh, yeah. 
which is you know and it's, hold it's, it over other people. I think it manifests a little bit, yeah, in yeah, funny yeah. ways. Yeah. yeah, I mean the. I think the, I was stuck at that stage of my life for a long time. I was at the third one of like high knowledge, low motivation. Yeah, I'll know it and I'll lord. I'll know everything and lord it over people. But uh, do I have to do it myself? No, thank you. Like you know, that's also a tough stage to be at. Yeah. Which is, I think those people are the most fun because I'm like, I can talk to you as a colleague, but I'm gonna burn your ass when you don't follow through well i think maybe that's why you're what i was saying earlier about like what you're good at identifying it's just because you have shared experience with them right and the compliment i'm giving you is that i think it's actually rare and it is a pedagogical instinct to um identify people you have like common experience with and know what works to motivate them and then be able to like implement it with the right timing oh timing is that's really difficult like i've had people tell me before that i would be a good teacher and i'm like "No, no 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 i'm just smart and articulate uh, you're, yeah. you're misunderstanding that I that uh, that I would be good at conveying this with the right timing. You would be. I don't have the social at, instincts to do that. You'd well. be like a what's what's his face? Who's the guy? The big burly bear who died. I don't know. At CIA, the burly. Oh, Bergengren. Yeah, I'm excited about anything. Did anyone learn anything other than the joy of looking at stuff? No. Well, you know, to me, that's a compliment. I wasn't, I wasn't in Bergeron's class, and I didn't really respond to people like that. I, but a lot of people that I really like have a lot of respect for him and did learn a lot from him. So mm. if that's the kind of teacher that I would be, that's fine. Although I don't think that that's true. My mm. point was that I don't think, I think what always freaks me out about that reading of you would be a good teacher is like, I don't think you actually know me that well because oh. I don't really like, I don't like um, shepherding people. Right. I do like teaching people. That's not the same thing as having care for them. Right. If you don't know a fact, I'm happy to inform you of it. Uh, do yeah. I have the motivation to go out of my way to do that? No. Well, I will you let can you tell t- someone the fact, but ensuring that they know it. Oh yeah, yeah. I've no investment yeah. in it at all. Yeah. My, yeah, I have a lot of people because I, you know, they'll be like, "What the fuck?" I'll be like, "Oh yeah, I used to teach." They're like, "Oh, mind like." This makes so much fucking sense now. And I'm like, yeah, do you know what you do you know how to do stuff because of the way that I subtly introduce you to it in ways? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, and do you feel good about it now? And they're like, yeah, I do. I'm like, I've done my job. Yeah, that's such a long game. And yeah, people don't know how to play a long game. Yeah, dumbasses. Yeah. And well, it's no, it's not about being a dumbass. It's just, uh, mm. uh, again, it's like, I'm aware I lo- that I over I'm aware them, that yeah. that exists. I just only have so much time in the day. I'm not going to learn that at this point in my life. I've, I don't care well, if just, other people learn. Things. Yeah, I just do the thing of like, yeah, you think I planned it? Yeah, duh. And they're like, oh, you have planned it. I'm like, yeah, it's a fucking math problem. It's not that hard. And they're like, no, it is. I'm like, not to me. So that's you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strategy. Hi. Yeah, you're great at that. I mean, you, you would be you would be a wonderful uh, military commander. It's the same thing. You've identified strengths and weaknesses. What can you change? What can't you? If you can't change them, fuck them. You got to get rid of them. You know, but it, hopefully we, they you know climb into a ditch and they're like, oh, I broke my ankle. I'm like, oh, gotta go. Bye. Yeah, you. I mean, you have the advantage of having a strategic mind, but also being. Um, Having a tactical mind, too, because you're on the ground enough to know what it's like to deal with the troops. Right? But you have to be empathetic. Yeah. yeah you have. To, if you don't have the empathy, you have no authority mm. is is the reality of like, I'll do everything that you do to a point. And then I will have to delegate because Papa only does so much. I I will do most of it, but you got to do the. I'll do eighty percent, but I'm going to leave you twenty percent, and I will judge you for the twenty percent that I left you. <laughs> because if you fuck it up and I started it, I'm going to kill you. The stories you never hear are from the people that you scarred, that like didn't learn the lesson and just walk around questioning their lives in like ways that they can't articulate or uh-huh. understand. Yeah, I fire them before they get to question me. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're gone before they get to that I point. I bet you've like gotten so many people into arguments with their significant others that you don't know about. Like you just you 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 know through your long game tactics, you like subtly implanted an idea in their mind about how insufficient they are in certain ways that they don't know. Oh yeah, and then they go home and like take it out on somebody. I'm not saying they like hurt them or whatever. I'm just saying I could. We imagine- doing? Di- am I? Sp- 
spawning domestics? I could just no, absolutely. I could just not not in the sense of like actual <sighs> violence, but I could just see a man like washing the dishes and his wife is nagging him for the exact same thing that you were like trying to teach like, him. Hey, about you're not detail oriented. And she's like, you left some shit on the dishes, yeah. and he just like takes a smear of avocado and puts it on the clean dish and goes to bed. <laughs> oh yeah i've probably done that yeah uh-huh i have about 10 years of uh, new york new york children that i've scarred oh definitely uh, oh definitely there's great. some households in queens that are discontent queens staten <laughs> island I've, I've you know you can graffiti all city i've caused psychological trauma all five boroughs thank you so much oh man yeah civilization and discontents <laughs> title of app right at the at the buzzer at the buzzer